following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. And now we have our reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. It's going to be chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, if you would like to read along in a Bible in one of the chairs in front of you, or the words are on the screen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, Paul does love his commas, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. Thanks be to God. So it's apparently going to be one of those weeks. (laughs) The commas actually... May dovetail very nicely with what we're going to do today. Um, uh, so beautiful to, uh, to be here with you. I want to talk to you today about what I think is the most significant theological shift that I have experienced in my life. There have been a lot of theological shifts that I've experienced in my life. Um, being a person who was raised in the church from the minute I was able to get through the doors in a car seat, probably, uh, until today. But this one, I think, is the biggest one. It has to do with how I understand what it means to be saved by my faith in Jesus. Now, as you know, if you have heard me talk about my own story, that church that I was raised in, uh, that I attended twice on Sunday and every Wednesday, at least, (laughs) for my whole childhood, um, was a fairly standard, fairly conservative evangelical church. Um, I must hasten to add that there are lovely people that I was raised by, a very lovely, loving family, that I am in eternal debt um, to the heritage of faith that was passed down to me. I'm deeply grateful for all of that. 
and <laughs> I have had some significant theological shifts in my life since um, being raised in, and brought up in that environment. So in that setting, this will sound familiar to many of you, being saved by Jesus means something very clear, very black and white, very binary, very dualistic. In other words, one minute you are saved and the next minute you one minute you're not saved and the next minute you are, right? Actually, it goes the other way too. At least in the church I grew up, one minute you are saved and the next minute you're not. And you've got to do it again, right? And it usually involves praying a particular prayer after hearing a particular sermon, again, either at summer camp or a revival meeting or on just about any given Sunday, morning or night or Wednesday, that you were at church. And that sermon was about laying out the need, your need and my need, for salvation. And I know that you have all heard some version of that. Those of you who were raised in a similar tradition to me, and those of you who are, by some miracle of the universe or the grace of the eternal loving God, in church for the first time right now. <laughs> You've all heard some version of this sermon. Right. Um, in this understanding of the gospel, the, the good news of God, it's, uh, it's about a legal matter between you and God, who is the judge of all creation. See, in this telling of the gospel, your sin makes you guilty in the courtroom of eternity. And the punishment for that sin is bloodshed and death. That punishment is not optional, even for God, because God is fully just, and it would be unjust for that punishment not to be meted out in response to that sin. And so, the only options for dealing with that sin would be to pay the penalty yourself, um, which would mean hell in um, various forms of describing it, or to accept Jesus' offer to take your penalty that you owe on yourself. And that means heaven and all the various ways of understanding that. So Jesus' bloodshed and his death are about paying the price in the courtroom of eternity. And that this is the only way to understand the crucifixion. This is the reason that Jesus died on the cross. And that's the only thing that the cross means. Now, I'm trying to, to be as... Uh, I'm trying, trying not to do a straw man thing. I'm trying to be as truthful as I can in, in telling that telling of the gospel, right? Without caricaturing it unnecessarily. And yes, there are, of course, passages in the Bible that you can point to. Maybe some of you are frantically flipping to them right now uh, as you say, but, 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 <laughs> that talk about salvation in this way, that talk about the cross in this way. And it's far from the only way that the Bible talks about salvation or about the cross or about the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection, by the way, which um, here I might veer into caricature just briefly. doesn't seem especially necessary in that particular version of the gospel. It's really more about the punishment. So, yes, that stuff is in the Bible. It can be found. What becomes slightly problematic 
and in some cases even harmful to people's spirits, is when that single way of thinking about the cross becomes the only way of thinking about the cross. When that single explanation for how we are saved and why we need to be saved is the only explanation for why and how we are saved. Now, as I said, there's all kinds of ways that my theology has shifted over the years, but the biggest change, and in many ways the one that unlocked or sped up all of the others, is the way that I understand what it means to be saved by Jesus. Now, the problem here... And old-time artisans are going to laugh when I say this. Is that I could do a whole sermon series um, some other time <laughs> on on the alternative ways of looking at that, right? And in fact, I, I kind of have <laughs> in some occasion on some occasions. And then also, in fact, just this week I um, sat down and, and sketched out what I think we will be looking at together as a church in the fall, as summer winds down, which doesn't it feel like summer's already over? Isn't that not fair? (laughs) Like how many of you are scheduled out through the end of August and it doesn't feel like you're going to have any summer at all, even though you're going to have five summers in one, right? So on the church side of things, that means that I have already planned out sermon series loosely for the rest of 2021. Um, And that uh, is both good and sort of terrifying. At any rate, Part of what we'll be talking about as summer winds down and fall ramps up is going to be how we understand the cross and how we understand the scriptures and and how we think about our faith in a new way, maybe reclaim it from um, the ways that it might have been um, co-opted and reduced and minimized and simplified. So that's all coming up. And if you want to listen to a whole series teaching about the doctrine of the atonement, you can find that in our podcast archives. Today, instead of trying to lay that all out for you in one go, in one sermon, um, I I want to use this really rich passage from Ephesians chapter 1 with all its commad glory. just to scratch the surface of some of this for you. And actually, I I don't want to scratch the surface for you. I want to scratch the surface with you. Because um, summer isn't over yet. And this thing that we've been doing through this summer has been really meaningful to me, and I know to some of you, where we try our best to look at the scriptures together and maybe have a communal reading of it. Now, as more and more people come into the room and... um, join us on Zoom from around the world. It's a little trickier to do that, but we're going to keep doing it for a little while longer because I am definitely not tired of hearing your wonderful insights into the scriptures and your stories of faith. So um, this text from Ephesians 1 is a good one to use for the exploration that I want to do today because in just a handful of verses, there's a whole stack of images and metaphors. Remember I said there is some uh, courtroom kind of imagery in the Bible, and that is how the cross is described sometimes, and how salvation is described sometimes. Well, there's so much other imagery and metaphor, and of course all of it is metaphor, right? That's the only way we can understand things. This is the limitation of language, and also the great blessing of language. 
There's so many in the scriptures. And even just in this one little passage, there's a lot of ways that Paul talks about what it means to be part of the community that is being saved by Jesus. So I want to spend a little bit of time with it together with, with all of you in the room and with those of you joining us online and see if we can broaden our list, right? So if we were to make a list of the ways that salvation is described and we already know that we're going to put like eternal courtroom on the list, what else are we going to put on the list? And then I want to see what resonates with us the most from that list, okay? So here's how we'll do that. I'm going to read that passage again for you. And what I want you to do, we're going to read it two more times, just so you know. I'll lay it out for you in advance. The first time through, I just want you to kind of like um, make a note, touch the page, highlight it in your uh, Kindle or whatever you're doing to read the scriptures. Uh, Make a mental note of it. Every time there's an image or a metaphor or wording that seems to indicate salvation. right? Uh, And after I've read it through, you're going to shout out some of your answers and the, the people on Zoom are going to type the answers in. Right. And then the second reading, we'll, we'll think about what's resonating more with us. All right? So this is Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, once again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. Now, if you didn't notice it the first time through, maybe you noticed it more that time through, how dense and rich and beautiful that passage is. So what I'll ask you to do on Zoom is to type out, just with a couple of words, uh, the image or the metaphor, the the phrase that you saw that describes what it means to be saved. And you can shout it out in the room, and I'll repeat it aloud so that the people in Zoom can hear what was being shared. So let's take a few minutes and just make a list in our minds. Inheritance. Thank you. Adoption. Chosen, yeah, and Zoom, uh, Eileen says, adopted and gathered up in him. (laughs) Predestined. Predestined. Calvin has entered the chat. (laughs) (laughs) 
sealed. Yeah. Marked. What else are we seeing in there? Redemption over and over again, which is that in itself. That's one of those loaded words. There's a lot of them in scripture where you have to be careful that you don't make that word just mean whatever you want it to mean, right? And then apply it to all kinds of other words, right? And that that makes your definition the primacy, not whatever it might have meant in the original language or whatever it might be. Yeah, thank you. Redemption. I should have just said redemption and moved on. (laughs) I heard another one over here, I think. No? God's pleasure. Interesting. Yeah. God's possession. Yeah, also very interesting. Yeah. Freely bestowed. Beautiful. I love it. That sounds like a heresy to me. Holy and blameless. Yes, what it means to be holy and blameless. Sorry? The future inheritance. Yes, there's this inheritance and then there's the future inheritance. Wow, I hadn't caught that. But you're right. Yeah. Love it. What else? Our online contingent is a little quiet this week. Um, the room is a little fuller this week, too. So maybe those two things go hand in hand. And by the way, if you're, if you're frantically typing your answer on Facebook Live and wondering why I'm not reading it out, it's because I can't monitor the room and Zoom and Facebook. But I'll read it this week, and I'm, I'm sure that it's very beautiful. Lavished on us. Yeah. So let me ask you this, then. I, this was, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. But what's missing from the standard story that you've heard about salvation? Judgment? Sorry? Was there another one? Blood. Is that missing? Yeah, it's in there, isn't it? Chapter, or verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Damnation is missing from... Original sin is missing from this passage. Shame is missing from this passage. Faith. Huh. Interesting. Replacement or substitution, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. To use a, a word that is sometimes loaded into these conversations. Yep. Confession. Interesting. Now see, now we might want to, now we might be edging toward an argument with each other, right? <laughs> if we start talking about what's missing. And please know, just because it's missing from this passage doesn't mean it's missing from the rest of Scripture. But in this picture, we find other things. Really, really interesting to me. So, I will tell you that I had made my own mental list, and you duplicated some of it, and you added to it, and that's why I love doing this so much. What I want to do next, (laughs) Ken points out, there's only 12 of us online. There's only 12 people in the Zoom meeting today, and that's okay. I'm going to read the passage again, and having heard that list that we just made together, You can maybe notice them as I read through again. And what I want you to notice this time, uh, and just so you know, this will require us to pass the microphone because it's going to be a little bit longer than one word. I want you to tell us what resonates with you, and if you're willing to, a little bit about why. Maybe a sentence or two. I'm not asking you to stand up and give a testimony and all that stuff. But um, 
I am going to ask you after this reading what resonates with you and why from this collection of imagery about salvation and, and every spiritual blessing. Here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. So, in Zoom, you can type in an answer. In the room, I'll ask you to take this microphone um, and just speak your answer aloud. And remember, I'm asking you to tell us what, uh, which of these images or metaphors, what part of this list resonates most with you today and why, in just a sentence or two. So who wants to take the mic first? is a little more personal than making a list, I understand. Yeah. I just noticed that there was about seven or eight references to gifts or blessings bestowed upon me or, or the audience. And so to me, it was just a, something that is just given freely yeah. by God. So. Yeah, lots and lots of references to gifts, and that resonates with you. Why? Just that it's not something that I have, I've earned, or mm-hmm. that, um, I mean, in this reference that you're working for or towards, that it is given freely by God. Yeah, yeah. I guess I kind of get this registration of this image of like, you know, the father just that is constantly giving blessings to his child and mm-hmm. and you know spoiling them in, in some way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's lovely. Kind of going off of that, I remember as a kid, uh, we read Pilgrim's Progress a lot. Mm. Like It was like an annual thing. And I remember the narrow gate 
and the few who find it, as opposed to here really seeing, as you're saying, like the blessings that the, that the Lord wants to give out through his son and that together all things to him, as opposed to this, oh, you're one of the, the, the lucky few who found that narrow way, and if yeah. you step off of it, oh, all the, like to catch you off, like the very, like it was almost like a winnowing down of mm. people as opposed to a broadening out of gathering all to him. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Thank you, Dylan. Do you want to talk about why that resonates with you today? Because like a lot of people have forgiven some of the things I've done. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's a pretty vulnerable thing to say, that you've received forgiveness in your life, and that's why this resonates with you. Thank you. Can we bring it over to Cameron here, maybe? This way, Dylan. Thanks. Before Cameron shares, I'll read out the one that's in the Zoom chat right now, which says, just because something is predetermined or planned in advance doesn't make it stingy or limited. It can, it can be lavish and expansive. <laughs> I was actually going to also say something about forgiveness. Um, I, I think that forgiveness is one of the things uh, in the Bible that I really resonate with mm. and that's really been instrumental in changing my worldview. <clears throat> um, I really do believe that like forgiving people is is good man <laughs> uh, and uh yeah, somebody take the microphone. <laughs> yes, you can carry it back, actually, if you rose behind you. All right. Uh, who wants it? Um, I think I saw Shane's hand. Is that right? Yeah. Shane, pink shirt. <laughs> Shane is wearing a pink shirt, for those of you in Zoom. If you're wondering. I feel very confident in pink. I don't know why. <laughs> the, so, for me, um, this is not a Calvinist thing, because I've often said that in the Calvinist debates, I tend to identify more with Hobbes, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really side with either side in that. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry, I, I missed the funny word. Could you say? Oh, that again? Hobbes. I identify more with Hobbes in the Calvinist debates oh, Hobbes, than I do. Yes. yes. Right, gotcha. Anyway, so the whole, the whole, there's, there's multiple cases throughout this where we talked about the, the before the foundation of the earth, and like, it, it's really fascinating to me that in this passage where. We're literally talking about prehistoric will on God's mm. part, right? Carrying into an ancient text that we're all reading that is very, very old, right? Mm. Speaking to us in the now about our future. Yeah. Um, just really fascinates me about the eternal essence of God's love and his being. Um, and that's yeah. just fun for me to think about. Yeah. It's eternal, man. I love it. Thank you. Uh, two rows ahead and then one row ahead of that. So come up to Jay and then to Kevin. Uh, I register with the idea of adoption as a Korean-American adoptee. Um, yeah. I think about uh, how, how strange it is to have a set of parents that you are indebted to and to have two to be doubly indebted is a whole other thing. But it's also... Um, something that feels a little bit like a futuristic kind of moment that you'll have um, in the next world to be kind of reunited in a different way. Yeah. Um, 
my wife and I went to Korea in 2010, and I met my birth mother, but I've never met my birth father here. And so when I think about this passage of a father making sure that we are planned for and cared for, um, it makes me think of my father in heaven. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jay. Yes, that is very cool. Thank you, Jay. Um, the, the phrase that jumped out to me is uh, lavishing us with his graces. And I just feel like that the sentiment behind that is just really disconnected with the traditional understanding uh, that I also grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, the transactional courtroom mm-hmm. setting. Um, and I... I guess what resonates with me is just the disconnect and I'm still sort of digging into this and trying to understand it a little bit better and, and coming to a new understanding of that. So I'm very excited that you're going doing this today and, and for the series this fall, but um, that, that um, cognitive dissonance between a traditional understanding and, and, and the person of Christ that we read about and, and, the, and the loving, lavishing um, um, words that are that are used in that passage that's what's striking me yeah thank you thank you it's it can be a really challenging thing to have this whole past that's that contains that one way of thinking about it and then to try to come into a new way of thinking about it that overlaps in some of its language and in some of its meaning like as we said there's blood in this passage there's forgiveness and you know to put the best face on that other story the other way of telling it a lot of these same words apply in that telling you know it's a free gift that you can't earn it all those things are part of the part of that sermon that we all heard that at least that I heard I heard it enough times for all of us I should say Um, and yet there's for me I found that that ultimately was a a dissonance between what was being said those those words that might be reassuring and inviting, and then what was also being said, the words that were not reassuring or inviting, and the way that that sometimes got applied. I don't know. It's hard. It's very hard to describe it, as you can tell, but it's also very hard to experience it. And so what your task will be, and I think you're not the only one, is to figure out how much of that needs to be unwound, how much of it needs to be cut away and let go of, how much of it needs to find a new understanding, a new way of, of rooting itself in our hearts as we open ourselves to the broader story of God's love and of the gospel. And Yeah. I, thank you. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I resonate with what you said. Anybody else? We have time for a few more. Yeah. I think um, what you what you were just talking about, um, I think, reflects my own experience growing up in a similar type of church environment. And even when Tim read this uh, the very first time, the thing that, um, and I had no idea what you were going to preach on, um, the thing that struck me as it was going through it is is how Paul's referring to us Mm. and in my uh, church upbringing the us was very a a very exclusive group Mm. and um, I think that 
in in this passage there are some indicators towards you know exclusion like the predestination and things like that but overall it's open it's he's bringing all thing gathering all all mm. of us together and so probably like many of us in this room my definition of us has changed from what i first learned yeah thank you angela that's beautiful and as you pass the mic back toward penny um i'll add to that idea of the us factor because in that telling that I was raised with, and I know many of you were raised with, it was always an individual transaction. It was always every head bowed, every eye closed, just you doing business with God. And it's a one-on-one transaction. And so much of the biblical language about salvation is actually communal. Um, I, th- I think it would have blown our minds, you know, 16-year-old me and, and those who were preaching to him, to think about how the Bible talks about us being saved together. How do you individualize and commodify that? Not, I mean, now I'm being, I've returned to the straw man thing, so I'll let it go for now. But Penny, will you save me from myself, please? I don't think that's possible. <laughs> no, I think, At least not for me. Yeah. God already did. Thank you. There we go. God already did. Amen. I'm going back to um, the imagery of adoption. Mm. Um, You know, maybe because it's a transitive verb and it has trans in it, and that's obviously something that I'm interested in. Um, But the idea of taking in uh, the that idea of of the willingness uh, from the parental side to incorporate in to a group something that is outside, to, to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that image of God being willing to change to meet my needs, or at mm. least change, uh, allow my existence to be, a, to, to be in his presence mm. in whatever way that is. Mm. You know, uh, if, if, I, if I adopt a new attitude, it means that I am changing, and this is... Uh, for me, it was more about God being willing to take me in as I am. Wow. Rather than uh, from the other, I mean, which are perfectly both legitimate. I'm shutting up now. My, uh, so save me from myself. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, what I think the insight I'm hearing you offer us, Penny, which is brilliant, is that you can think about adoption as the adoptee and how that, is, that means one thing but how it changes the one who's doing the adopting to invite a new person into that family is pretty amazing, too. Yeah. And what does that say about God? Wow. Thank you for that. We have time for one or two more. I just want to add to what you were saying when you added to what you were saying. I'm sorry, I missed your name. Um, But I think I, I definitely struggle with the cognitive dissonance thing. Um, about reading this in a new way and still having all the assumptions and all the baggage, for lack of a better word, of the way it was preached to me and the way I was told it meant. But I got to this point of cognitive dissonance because it created so much cognitive dissonance to believe in a loving God that would only allow certain people. And so when every time, like one of the things that helps me with that is like, okay, which cognitive dissonance is greater, which one is harder to deal with, and which one is 
leading me into a place that is more authentic and more loving and more in line with who I believe God's character is. So Mm. I hear you, and that's my tip for now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Susan. Thank you. That's beautiful. Um, Let me read one out from Zoom, and then if we have one more in the room, we can do that. Aubrey says, in a career that everything must be worked for and earned in order to attain accolades or acceptance that you're good at your job, the grace and forgiveness freely given to make me blameless and loved resonates. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Ken adds a comment, the American worship of meritocracy. <laughs> I think which is, which is a valid observation that definitely bleeds into the, the church's mindset a lot. Do we have one more person in the room who'd like to share? I think Stephanie. And did you have your hand up as well, Autumn? Let's do both, and then we'll, then we'll close that. Like many others, I'm super into blameless. Um, but it's more on the way of uh, being born disabled, the blame of who's to blame for this, who sinned for you to turn out this way. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I like this way, so no yeah. one. But um, yeah. the Jehovah's who knock on my door remind me that it's my mother and father pretty much every time. Uh-huh. So I'm really into this whole blameless, not only for me, but for my parents who clearly have sinned to create me. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Wow, thank you for sharing that. And I don't need to tell you that Jesus addressed that question, right? <laughs> uh, I really appreciate the spiritual practice of awe. And so, you know, I was listening out for that as, as we were reading, and every spiritual blessing was felt like such a powerful mm. phrase that I could just sink into and, and really meditate on to think about, I, I mean, I can't think about that. That feels so mind-blowing to think about what every spiritual blessing could mean. And, and I think just aligns with what a lot of people have said, just not about exclusivity, mm-hmm. um, but and, and not just about inclusivity, but, again, that, that lavishness of every spiritual blessing. Like, what yeah. is that? That sounds awesome. Oh, thank you, Autumn. Thank you. And I'm uh, so glad that we decided to use a microphone today because trying to repeat all of these amazing insights back to the recording and to the Zoom meeting would have been a disaster for me. Um, Here's the thing. Sometimes I need, and I imagine you need, to be called on the carpet about your own guilt and sin, right? Sometimes we need that reminder that we have fallen short that things that we have done or left undone have caused harm to others, that our complicity in systems that benefit us and harm other people or oppress them, that those are all real things that we need to be reminded of and acknowledge. And Sometimes you and I need to understand Jesus' sacrifice as saving us from that sin and from its consequences. But if that's the only way you understand the work of Jesus, I submit to you that you will be missing out on so much depth and richness and purpose that can be found in the gospel and in the good news if you only open yourselves to more. And thank you for helping us open ourselves to more today. Sometimes you need that reminder, but sometimes you need to be reminded that you have been adopted into a new family and that you will never be alone again. Sometimes you need to be reminded that you have received an inheritance and that you will never be impoverished or in need again. Sometimes you need to be reminded that you were always destined for this. 
You were always part of God's plan. You. Sometimes you need to be reminded that you've been forgiven, not, not because of some sly courtroom lawyering in the cosmic sphere, but because of the lavish love of God. Sometimes you need to be reminded that you have great reason for hope. Sometimes you need to be reminded that you've been marked, that you have been sealed, that you, even you, have been made holy and blessed. All of this comes from one short passage of scripture, and I can promise you that this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just a few verses. The Bible has so much more. The story is so deep, so complex, so full of beauty and meaning. And so if the story that you have heard has been found wanting, if perhaps maybe it's even been hurtful to you or harmful to you, know that the story is bigger than that. Know that you can spend your whole life plumbing the depths of Scripture and Spirit and never finding the bottom. And know that one of the great joys of our faith is that we get to do this together. We've done it together today. It's never an individual endeavor. It's always something that the beloved community joins in. And with that in mind, with community in mind, let's celebrate communion together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.